1: Welcome to the Market Report. What follows are my thoughts or gut instincts on what the market is going to do. It is not an instruction to trade. Any decision to trade is yours. Market Report for Valentine's Day 2022. Exciting, isn't it? You know, trying to book a restaurant for your beloved and they're fully booked and you go to the restaurant and see lots of people sort of staring blankly at each other with not a lot to say. I've got to say, one of the benefits of being a bit of an old codge is you get rid of that squid early on and go the next night, and it's a lot cheaper. Anyway, I'm so lucky also that Tessa does not listen to this podcast. Let's start with old crop wheat prices. Well, we discuss the market a bit more in depth with Josh and Webby after this. We have a bit of a chat about this, that, and the other, and amongst it, some market chat. I mean, the market has been very volatile this week with various excitements in Eastern Europe, but we've got to a point where the price of feed wheat X farm for April is £212 a tonne that's just a price reporting moment it was up eight and a half euros at one point yesterday and ended up one and a half euros down so in that time our price changed by four pounds a ton up and down you tell me what happens next there's not much trade going on i don't think farmers are in a position where they're going to sell much more at the moment because they're not totally sure what they've got left some farmers that have moved their grain are coming a little shorter than they expected. Now whether that's a combine setting thing when you know you put the kilo weight in of your expected crop and it was actually lower than that and some of the yield is not there I'm not sure but it certainly seems to be a trend. Old crop wheat still very buoyant price-wise still a brilliant price my view is I think the bulk of it needs to be sold before it gets to the point at the end of the year. There will be some fun at the end of the year if it's a late harvest. Feed barley, X farm for April, 202. It is quite difficult to move both feed barley or feed wheat prior to that. Most people seem to be certainly full for Feb. March is getting full, so that's a sign that the buyers are not necessarily under any real pressure. So just bear that one in mind as well. And also bear in mind that May is a very big month for merchants, and probably they've got lots of very cheap contracts in that month. Therefore, they will be very, very determined to move the cheap contracts so no one defaults them, or they don't get defaulted, and consequently that the pressure, I think, will come on as we get closer to that month. Oilseed rape, i oil crop, will give you £7.20 a tonne. It doesn't really make any difference what price I say, but there is a very good market for oilseed rape. If there's anyone with any left, you know, I'm sure any merchant would be quite happy to quote you an outrageous price for it. Not worth mentioning. Malting barley has lost its mojo, certainly for the moment. So depending on variety, a kind of estimated value, X farms 250, possibly a bit light, but there isn't really a buyer sticking their neck out at the moment. I think in reality there's people got to deliver contracts. One or two people have been a bit fussy on delivery into their maltings, and therefore there will be some shorts that need to fill that tonnage in. And certainly the molster, if he hasn't got his cover to take him through into the August, September, October period with old crop, is going to be struggling a bit. Yeah, I think there will be some more life in it, but it's certainly, it's the moment where everything seems to have fallen off the edge of a cliff and the buyers are quite capable of just disappearing. You know, you can't get anywhere with them. So moving on to new crop. Oilseed rate, we have got a price. It's over £500 a tonne now, so into store harvest immediate movement. So one or two have pressed the button on that. That's exciting. So yeah, carry on. I think that is worth doing a little at that. I know that the S&D on oilseeds look incredibly bullish, but you know, let's just remember where we are. It's a great price plus premium. Feed wheat, harvest movement 185x at current prices. Futures are currently trading at 200 or bid 199 and offer at 201, so we'll call it 200. If it's 200 on the futures, then nov is 192x farm. And I'll rub it in one more week. If you're a store member, that's 198x store. They're good prices, but if we get some certainty there's no war in the Ukraine in the next two weeks, the prices will come down because there is kind of potentially a very big crop coming. I don't think we're going to get that certainty for a while. There's a load of brinksmanship, which some people seem to enjoy. I think looking beyond then, it's then looking for the weather story. And if you look at US corn, prices on that keep hitting new contract highs pretty well every day. It's off a diddy bit today, but underlyingly, there's a dry forecast there and you've got the trigger happy future trading type guys more prepared to be long and the funds are long. And I think they want the story to come out like a Disney movie. They've dreamt it's going to go to whatever price and they've bought it and they're waiting for that price feels underlyingly like it ain't going to go down much however let's all look in the fields and let's all remember that these prices are historically very good for forward prices and if in the uk we get the crop potential actually appearing then we will have an exportable surplus and not that many friends worthy or wanting to buy it so let's just you know keep our feet on the ground with that one feed barley is a 15 pound discount to that looking at malting barley they're exceptional forward prices if you look at history anything with a two in front of it is unheard of as a forward price so we're not getting many people actually prepared to go and trade it there's a reluctance at the moment obviously the recent podcast with bob king clearly defines that the stocks are low and we're relying very heavily on the new crop coming and nothing's going to be certain until we get close to harvest but if the weather starts to develop badly then the market is going to go through the roof and if weather starts to or continues to behave and benign and good rain at critical moments and everything looks good by the end of May, the buyers will be hiding somewhere. They won't be contactable. They won't be there to buy and you won't get a forward bid. That's the nature of the industry. So if they get comfortable or confident that the market is going to have a good supply, then these prices will disappear. So with that, I think the only thing of note at the moment is the things we were predicting about premiums are happening. The North is paying outrageously high premiums at the moment due to the haulage situation for feed wheat. I'm sure that will be solved by something, can't tell you what. I don't know. I still feel underlyingly old crop is in need to go down at some point in between now and May. Maybe in the next week or two, we've got this crazy stuff going on. It ain't going anywhere. But it feels like the buyers are much, much more easily satisfied than the underlying feeling there's wheat still out there to sell. We shall see. And uh, if I'll be quoted at some point as being wrong on it. Anyway, with that, the market farm chat is Webby, Josh, and myself, which you'll enjoy. We run on about everything else, including Boris, unfortunately, which you're bored with. Enjoy, and we will catch you next week. Thank you for listening. Please remember that any decision to trade on this opinion is yours.
0: If your farm is looking to diversify, the first step is having the right website and logo. We are East Coast Design Studio, and we're experts at creating websites that don't just look good, but get great results don't send your money to london we're from norwich so keep it local call 01603 728 978 or visit us online at www.eastcoastdesignstudio.co.uk
1: hello everybody we are back with an in-house doing grain chat so with me tonight i've got ian webster hello and josh hello Ben was going to be here, but he got back a bit late from a meeting and he's had to go off to take his lad to rugby. We can say what we like about him tonight then. Pretty much. We received a letter this morning and I felt I ought to add this into our podcast because obviously we mentioned a few weeks ago we had a podcast with Christopher Key, otherwise known as Keo. We're a caring couple of guys and we did say that if anyone has any troubles that they ought to write in. So I thought I'd just share with you this sort of dilemma that farmers face these days. And then, you know, like an agony aunt, you know, Chris and I felt we ought to give a response that helped them. Dear Keo, stroke doing... I am in a bit of a quandary and could really do with a bit of your help and advice on a personal matter regarding a drilling situation that I have. It is now coming into spring and the weather is getting warmer and spring drilling is now about to get into full swing. But I'm getting a bit bored drilling on the same old patch and would like to get drilling somewhere a bit different for a change. Don't get me wrong, that bit that has been drilled hard for the last 40 odd years has been fun at times and produced good results. But I'm just thinking that I would like a change of scenery before I get too old and climate change stops any moisture getting to the places where it is needed most. I listened to your podcast last year and thought possibly either or both of you could help in some way, as with your years of experience, there may be a solution to my predicament and advice on how I go about it. Yours, hopefully, avid Doing Grain podcast listener. And I think that's nice, and I'm glad that you've reached out to us. And obviously, being the caring people that we are, we came up with two possible solutions or comments First, one is maybe some new equipment would liven up the old patch you've been drilling. Nothing quite like a change to get the moisture going. So that's the first thought. Or two, it's very difficult for Keo or I to understand why you're not able to change scenery as we are always being offered new places to drill, even though both of us are very happy with what we have. Perhaps some advertising or a share drilling agreement would sort your predicament. So I think somewhere within that, be a bit optimistic about perhaps the old patch being livened up, or maybe a bit of sharing, or just put some adverts out there. And I'm sure, with a positive attitude, it will all come right for you. Anyway, thank you very much, listener, and any more letters, we'll gladly respond to. Right, OK, so what I think we're going to start off with is today, the grain market, if you take the Matif, it went €8.75 Euros up and then closed at the end of the day €1.5 Euros down if you take the May position. So that is a €10 Euro move, just over, in one single day.
2: Not quite as wild as the US market, so. I mean, the soybean market, but this means a lot to people, but it went up €0.35 cents a bush, I think, or it's pounds. now 4, four down. Well, I mean, so in raising this
1: eleven pounds,
2: mm, bit, well, I don't know what it is actually. So the rapeseed went up twenty odd euros and is
1: now finished three up. And the U.S. wheat was up sixteen at its highest point, and it's now down ten. Yeah, as we speak. So the point is, we've been pricing grain today, we've been selling grain today, and obviously our job is to pretend that we sold at the top and bought at the bottom. But bluntly, we got some of it wrong, didn't we? It's mercilessly miserable
3: yeah bit of farmer earlier today when it was four quid up he called back and the market was pretty much back to unchanged
1: it still
2: hasn't gone back up to the price at which we booked quite a few growers out the other week because so we had a real purge coming back into the early part of the new year and we kind of yeah the, some store members well the podcast we
1: told people that it was a good price i mean yeah you're right it is the case it's not it. it's not back above those levels so we are well i've done, done the right thing for them you're right this maybe yeah We're the kiddies.
3: The scary thing about today's swing is, like speaking to anyone in the trade, you couldn't really figure out what it was apart from the fact that Russia and Belarus were having a joint exercise on the border. So it shows that if anything was to happen, it would react very, very quickly. Yeah, if they actually went over the border. I mean, I guess everybody thought they were going to do that today. wouldn't? Yeah, they must have thought something. They were fairly spooked, but now it seems to have calmed down and probably because they've put the kit away and it's dark and they're not doing anything. And yeah, the market's come down a bit.
1: My attitude to this is, with the prices having been, you know, the UK didn't react as dramatically as the French, but then whenever there's a war, we don't, do (laughs) it. I'm a bit anti-French. I mean, Choco's just been on a cruise, and they went to the first island, which is Guadeloupe. That's a French island, as you may or may not know, and they wouldn't let the boat dock, because it's British. Really? Yeah, that's what you told me. Every other island let them on quite freely, but
3: Guadeloupe? Last week, I was away in Austria. As you do. Yeah, as you do, yeah, exactly, we're definitely treated differently. It seems as if we're considered the virus centre. Were you only
2: treated differently after you drank 25 shots of Jägermeister? Because <laughs> you did, I think, drink a body weight of Jägermeister in one week, didn't you?
3: Yeah, no, we did, actually. There were six of us, I only know this because of the receipt, and there were six of us on a lunch, and we had yeah. 255 Jager bombs and 77 pints, which is pretty good going at, like, 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, it was good. It was expensive obviously but it was really good but yeah they genuinely do they were doing that being a bit off in the airport at various yeah it was definitely slower i mean it took us 14 hours to get home Mm -hmm. on the saturday and flight was only an hour and 20 minutes yeah so you held up in the airport yeah there's just slower queues whether people like to you know whichever side of the fence you fall on brexit or virus whatever it is there is certainly slower than traveling two years ago and i Mm -hmm. don't put it all down to covid well, the conversations I've had recently with an Irish friend and with a Danish friend,
1: you know, our politicians are not covering themselves in glory at the moment. And, well, bluntly,
3: Boris particularly is depicted as a clown. Yeah, and that's funny to say that, actually, cause one of the guys, he was a ski guide for us for a day, and he's Swedish, and he said that the English are now just thought of so differently. They laugh at half the stuff that we come out with. They laugh at everything all the politicians say and how sort of ridiculous Parliament and PMQs are half the time. Did you do the like, Muppet Swedish Chef? No, he was 21, and I don't know what that means, so he definitely wouldn't.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you
3: know,
1: if they're going to have a go at so us, you have to. No, no, I, bring I think. I don't, I don't think
3: he's having a go at us. He dealt with it very diplomatically. I think that the attitude towards the British has certainly changed. Whether that the virus or Brexit, God knows. We've definitely. Has. Yeah, definitely can't be Brexit.
1: Boris has
2: done well to stay afloat.
1: Well, obviously, everybody else has run on about this, but, you know, let's have the grain trades assessment of it. It weakened the pound nicely, yeah, didn't it? Yeah. So we were able to book some currency at a And yeah, all his level. backroom staff disappeared. It got to its lowest <laughs> point in several weeks and months, so, yeah. And when his missus said she wants some new curtains, having replaced them the other day, I mean, it's a lot of it. There's a book being written about his missus, which she's calling misogynistic. Which obviously, we blokes, we aren't allowed to have an opinion when they say that, so better not say too much. But full defence of misogynistic old men. Here I am. Dog saving. <laughs> no dog saving in Afghanistan. Wallpaper parties. Jimmy Savile quotes from Boris himself. You know, it is pretty ugly, isn't it? Yeah, I think that was the one that really broke him. He's not apologised. He doesn't realise he's in trouble. I don't think. you know it's the point is, it's kind of an ongoing saga which we've got to try and not to talk about so yeah. We're watching it with interest, very bored with the BBC trying to nail him and everybody else trying to nail him, which I get, understand it, but it is very boring. It should be sorted out amongst themselves, I think, and they should have, if they had any honour, have said, right mate, you can't lead us anymore, but that isn't how it works, is it? But you just don't need the journalists doing what they do. You know, I think Boris went to the Ukraine and sitting in the seats, a journalist asked him about his domestic issues in a summit about a war. Mm-hmm. Surely at some point, journalists are going to take some responsibility for being, you know, this is not the time to do that. This is a time to talk about specifically trying to put a message across about the war not happening. But no, it's all about journalists trying to be the person that... Oh, got I can it. see why they can't avoid it. And none of that cheers us up. You know, we've had a few weeks since we've had a general chat about the market. The market has been literally up and down like the proverbial, you know, what and yeah, what happens next? What do we do tomorrow? Will it go down eight well, weeks? We have been for weeks and probably even months now,
2: but trading it is a Russia Ukraine headline and that completely proven today it's gonna to be incredibly volatile and a knee jerky kind of sentiment to it. There's been some interesting things going on in the delivered market in the UK. That's been sort of firming, hasn't it, in four month?
1: Well, yeah. You talk back to the last time we had a little chat. We made a major speech, didn't we, that rant? Um, Christmas.
2: Maybe they're reacting to that. Maybe that's where the bids have come from.
1: Well, no, the point is that the rant was about brain-dead morons in the grain trade, of which there are less. We'll talk about that in a minute. But it was about premiums. You know, £3 over is now to the favourite homes, £5 over to West Norfolk. So having been £1 over... That proves the doing grain podcast to be valuable. Anyone who listens, so hopefully, if you made some money off the back of that, well, you know, not only did we tell people to sell it a few weeks ago and it went down, we've also told them to wait for a better premium. So, yeah, hopefully, we're going to save several people's budgets. You need to keep listening, you boys. (laughs) But we were talking earlier on the day about the brain drain from the grain trade, the brain grain trade, trade brain brain, drain. drain. Yeah, the brain drain. How many people are left? It's Slimming down, it's becoming a bit of a
2: skeleton, it seems, in terms of not old dogs that's very unfair of me to say, it, but of uh, He's experienced at me. Traders. there's a <laughs> lot of, of old cod
1: just my age who dropped very off the
2: It's very unfair to mention names, but it's been some this morning and went out and had a day out, and yeah, we were just chatting through it. It just seems a bit of a sorry state. There's a lot, it's a mass exodus occurring.
1: Some major companies with about two people left in there in the actual trading yeah. room. So it's good to get rid of the old codgers, but what's replacing them is the thing that has been one of my rants. What is replacing them? There's a big knowledge and experience gap, isn't there? Okay, maybe not so much knowledge, but the whole experience of living and breathing a trade for however many years. Kind of irreplaceable, isn't it? Well, experiences, but you notice I said what is replacing as opposed to who. The dynamic of the individual now with their self-lows mm-hmm. and their whatever, because that's a new phrase I learned this week, a self-low is something to do with mental health okay. issues. I and mean, we no one's allowed to joke or say anything terrible yeah. about that, but the reality is younger people today can look up on Google all sorts of things they might have wrong with them and say, yeah, that's me. And then you got your label, then you got your crutch, and then you got your, oh, it's not my fault, I've got issues. Okay, well, let me tell you, we've all got issues. <laughs> it's just yeah. that, you know, my boss don patterson used to hit me around the back of the head and say attention to detail that was the way he dealt with my issues yeah. and there's something lacking in what's coming we have this rant before so I'm calm at the moment but it will be very interesting to see when you have you know someone who gets in on the dot leaves on the dot doesn't mm. really ever look at a grain sample doesn't get grubby and down there with it how are you going to deal with some of the real issues when you have a questionable quality crop yeah and that's a theme I keep going back to the last few weeks because it's become very clear that you can't be that Teflon type person and have a successful business. Your business yeah, ends up yeah. with no customers. Yeah,
2: remind me back to talk about the uh, whack on the head by Don Patterson. So I kind of, I don't think I got a physical whack on the head, but I almost did from you very early on the days when I missed a stamp on the old school futures warrants. And yeah. we had to write them out physically by hand and then put the company stamp on it. You'd missed Not that we were tendering hundreds of them, but I'd missed one. And it got down to uh, Monty and Stets, or the old... What were they, Beish in the day, I think? Actually. They went down by post, and Trevor phoned up saying, Andrew, I'm afraid you're missing one. So I got a... Um, I didn't get a backhander, but I got sent very quickly down to London. Yeah, you with, caught a train to London with a, with a stamp to stamp one warrant.
1: And then came back. Yeah, fantastic. And that was enough to help teach me attention to detail. Good. Well, I'm, I'm very glad you learned that lesson here. No one else needs to whack you round the head because you actually do it yourself with a post knocker, don't you? True. <laughs> yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. I think we've had that Almost story. Almost knocked myself yeah. straight out. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe yeah. actually yeah. managed to come off the top of the post with his incredible muscles and whack himself in the head.
3: Didn't you also have Scott and Monty down this last weekend?
1: There was a Grain Summit in Norfolk, yep, you're absolutely right. They came up to Munsley to the luxury palatial and built rather like Putin's Palace on the Black Sea. Poles and everything, you know, all of the luxuries. A few stories. We've obviously covered a lot of ground of important issues, but we had a game of snooker on that little snooker hut I know of, locally. And I came last in that particular competition. Second place, Scotty and Munty was the king. He's like, Mr. I-know-what-he-does-with-his-retirement-time-now. There he is playing snooker all the time. He's like whizzing around the corner. He's a like, real expert, real like, oh, God, that's a bit of luck, and all that sort of thing, like breaks of 42 and things like that. So, we, you know, understated champion. And Scotty was giving it the, well, I'm, I'm better at pool, I'm better at pool, mate. I'm much better at pool. And I know you listen, Scotty, so you know what's going to come next. Anyway, so we went to the Suffield Arms best pub in the country, and we had started having a couple of vimptos and stuff. And the pool table came free. So we put the pool things up. And Scott, being the expert pool player, he went, well, I'll, I'll break. So he smacks into it and the balls are all over the table everywhere. Anyway, as anyone who's played pool against me will know, I've never really beaten anybody before, convincingly. Anyway, cut a long story short, I put all seven balls down and the black. <laughs> and that left all of Scottie's balls on the table. And, and Monday and I spent the rest of the weekend doing high sevens. <laughs> should be easy for you, one hand. (laughs) Yeah, Norfolk boy. Did you also not get another one up on Scott over the weekend? The mistake we made, the schoolboy mistake that Scotty and I both made was this. In the pub, we had a very long time there, and we eventually got a taxi back to where we were staying. And when we got back, the schoolboy mistake was, Monty said, I'll sort out some drinks. So Scott and I sit on the sofa, like, happily, merrily, just, yeah, okay, mate, yeah, fine. So Monty's mixing JD and Coke's. Didn't think about it. Just drunk. You know, just drunk. Oh, that's nice. Do another one, boys. Yeah, another one. So we drink that. Anyway, cut a long story short. Next day, Scott was particularly bad. I mean, we went to a cafe, went to a walk on the beach, tried to get him right. Took him to the cafe. He had to leave and go and you know, like pray a broken, to Allah. Broken man. He yeah. wasn't sharp, but we took his sausage sandwich home that he couldn't manage to eat, and then we dragged him out. We eventually took him in the guy, sat his head in a plastic bag all the way to Norwich, <laughs> yeah. just in case. And anyway, we got to Norwich and we ended up going in the butcher's boy pub, cool which is an Irish yeah. pub, and to watch the rugby, watch England lose. And, and all that which was good anyway there's a bit where we were drinking Guinness because we were in there and Scotty's got three quarters to a pint of Guinness in front of him and he hadn't been drinking anything much before then I was behind schedule I had a pint of Guinness and three quarters of a pint of another okay. one and I look at Scotty and he's looking green still and I just went go on then race and I basically challenged him to two pints for one and he looked and he weighed it up and he thought about it he said, look you're bound to beat me I can't manage it Scotty and he got it nah. and he went nah like that so yeah <laughs> absolutely <laughs> but he had travelled from vienna to come and see us and you know we had a great weekend and it And it really was great we have not seen each other for 2 years and we had a proper catch up and a proper laugh and a proper bitch you know we really did have fun so you know, grain summits, I recommend them. If you get a chance to go and meet a load of your old mates somehow or another, make it happen because we need to see each other and we need to tell the stories. Otherwise, yeah, yeah you yeah. forget. And it's just, it was really did, uh, sad. Did
2: Scotty, aside from the normal bloke chat, but did he have any pearls of wisdom?
1: We had a conversation about what he thinks. It's not my job to portray that. It's his thinking, his position, and what have you no, I'll right. talk about mine until the guys come home, but he's covering Europe and we're much more parochial, as yeah, we yeah. know. But no, yes, yeah, certainly he had some very good points, which I've repeated to make myself sound intelligent. Credit to him for the clever stuff. He's crap at pool, he can't drink Guinness, but he had some good market information, this is how I'd sum it up. <laughs> I did take him to a luxury lunch on Sunday, which he enjoyed.
2: OK, where was that?
1: Munsley Royal oh no no. i recommend it anyone you must try it in the few weeks where we've been away we've got a market that we don't know what the hell's going to happen next we've got a new crop market which has got phenomenal development of crop i think and spring barley planted and people are getting their fertilizer delivered and you know it's all kind of happening isn't it what are farmers doing well i think you just said half it getting the land ready for spring barley now what are they doing in terms of marketing sorry not a lot. I think there's a few people
2: out there that have been talking about 30% strategies, right. which I don't blame. So it's, have they
1: done that? Are we missing it? I've seen a bit no, come in. we've, we've seen some...
2: up a few. Not loads. I wouldn't say we've been hitting it hard, hard, but there have been people in a bit of a selling mode. So I sort of think there's some reservations because the whole the inflationary pressures they've got as a grower, you know, whether it's kit, mm. whether it's fuel, whether it's AgCems, ferts, the whole lot. I mean, these are good values. So I won't argue that, but they're not as rosy as they would be traditionally.
3: No, I agree. I think a lot of them are actually reeling on input prices. That's where I found it. Is that stopping them trading? No, I think my personal opinion is that obviously they finished shooting 10 days, not everyone, but largely finished shooting, maybe been on holiday. Now coming back and they're starting spring work, and I think that once they've got everything in the ground, the spring's really sprung. It felt very spring-like today, didn't mm, it? did, yeah. So, yeah, I think once they've done that, I think that they're going to start feeling differently and are going to sell some. But at the moment... They're talking about it, but they're also talking about fertiliser prices.
1: See, I think it's down to the buyer as to whether he sends the message to the seller. If he's convinced it's going to go down, then it comes across in his voice. And I think that kind of comes across in his attitude or whatever. You know, if you're going to rip people off and you think it's going to go up, you tell them a story and say, you better do something, you better do some, and you force them in and then put the phone down as quick as you can. That's the tactic of the old school 80s trader, if you like. But I'm not convinced. I mean, there's such a long time to go till harvest and there's such a reliance on good weather all the way through. And right now, the weather is perfect. And if the weather remains perfect weather patterns all over the world, especially, you know, around Europe and Russia, Ukraine, assuming they don't have a scrap, It's got to be perfect. And so I just don't feel convinced. I feel the downside is limited enough to not rush into it. So if you end up selling it for 190 instead of selling it for 200, I don't see that as a disaster. And I kind of see the bottom probably of, I don't know, X farm wheat. If the futures are trading, I don't know, if the futures got down 185.
2: 15 to 20 quid's worth of downside max, it feels.
1: Yeah, which if you tried to buy an option, it would cost you that. Yeah. So what the hell? You might sort of self hedge it. it and run it. Well, yeah. yeah, run it. And if it does kick off, like if there's a war. I do agree with
2: that. But I mean, we're talking, you know, in terms of cover and strategy. I don't think 25 to 30% is bad, though,
1: to be sold at the moment. 200 odd pounds a ton for malting barley. Yeah. Depends on what type you got. That's it's good really again. good. And wheat is, what, 185 um, harvest? Yeah, about that. It's never been as good before, has it? I can't argue against it. And I, your know, I know, you mean I'm,
2: I'd never stand up and say that this market is all over and done and dust. There's so many different seasons. I mean, what we've got, we've got a spring, we've got a summer, the autumn, then a winter. Like well, he remembers his seasons. Yeah, thank like you. <laughs> <laughs> all in their order as well. Yeah, there's so six or seven seasons on the marketing year no. to go. Oh, okay. It's a lot until <laughs> okay. next June, July. <laughs> He's getting so, the fingers there. Yeah. <laughs> well, sorry, not the next, but the following. So,
3: yeah, there's a lot, 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 lot to go it's just starting from a very positive base at the moment there's also a big reliance on this crop isn't there massive yeah so that's uh, what stops me that's exactly, what yeah. makes me
1: go like you know i could be wrong and i, I think if someone in i don't know november says well you told me not to sell it listen to the podcast there's got to be one where we do tell you to sell it <laughs> and then i'll be covering my backside but i don't think there has been on new crop yet it feels like it's got a limited downside I mean, when I was talking to Bob King, as he quite rightly said, the malting barley won't be set until we get to May or June, and then we'll know what's coming. And then that's assuming the harvest isn't going to be cruel at the same time, you know. Yeah, what price would a heat wave? What would it do?
3: Well, not only that, if you look at weather patterns for the next 10 days, they keep changing regularly. So one day you'll check and you'll get, I don't know, an inch of rain or something over the next 10 days. The other you won't get any. And then another one you'll check is 60 mil or something, so two inches of rain. There's so much uncertainty, but it does feel like spring today and it doesn't feel like it's going to break at the moment. Today was meant to be pretty awful, Mm. or not great, but it's actually lovely, and tomorrow is nice, and it was not meant to be very nice. So you never know, it might stay dry like it did two years ago. Yeah. That being the case, obviously drought in the States is going to
1: be as big a driver, but I think there's time to react to it, and as I say, I think the downside... Although likely, as people, if the war thing sort of drifts down and, and Putin goes, no, I'm going to be nice and goes off from the border, then there will be a premium reduced. But by then, I think there'll be a weather story. But I'm sure we'll see a weather story in March, April or May. So I think I don't feel the pressure for people that we're responsible to market for, is my point. And this should provoke some thought in your own head. I think ultimately, you know, as a farmer, if you turn down £200 odd a tonne for something, we'll tease you about that forever. In the end, it's your responsibility. So I've got to say that. I'm trying to do the best or make the best judgment. I just don't feel the pressure for them. And if I was a consumer, if the market went down to 190 on the futures, I think I'd buy a load of it. Because what's the downside from there?
2: I completely agree. I mean, I had the strange one that a consumer yesterday was asking me for bids for the offer of the next three consecutive crops which I did have to say is actually impossible to hedge. But I think in his head, he was thinking about the whole inflationary thing going on around the world. And are we talking about cheap wheat now, potentially?
1: Well, a conversation I had with a farmer, quite reasonable logic, said Nov 23 it says on the futures it was closing at 189 it wasn't it was off at 89 and bid at 80 so it's somewhere i traded around about 182 183 his logic was you know if i can get 195 for may 2024 that's a sell or anything above 190 because we're gonna have a big crop this year fair point a carry over into the following harvest and that's a good price if i had to have a gut instinct on it i'd say i'd rather buy that oh yeah it's cheap but who knows and by then how many acres will be being grown Yeah,
2: I mean, naturally, that's got to be the way things are happening. There are smaller areas going on the ground with all the stewardship schemes that are knocking around.
1: Will that take effect by then? 23 should do, I guess, shouldn't it? You know, carbon payments from companies to farmers for growing pulses and things like that. That's creeping into the market. Is that going to increase the area of that? Well, I mean, it's going to be a speculative guess. There's better, more informed people than me. But if you took a gut instinct on it, I'd say 2023 is more likely to go up than down. And I'd say that 2022 is more likely to do both. But underlyingly, there'll be a moment where it trades higher than this because there's going to be a weather story. Anyway, we've cracked open some free beer, haven't we? Alan Riddell came in with some Kingslayer from Humber Brewery. So have you had a sip yet? No, just about to. Famously hazy, but normally quite tasty.
2: Yeah, it's not bad. I think we put a barrel on for the Norfolk Dinner, didn't we?
1: We did. to Kingsland. We had the Humber Ducey Brewery well and truly advertised at the Norfolk Dinner, last time it went. And now everybody knows that we've got the Norfolk Dinner back again for 2023. And the date is the third Thursday in
3: January, which is the 19th, I think. There's been like three tables booked up by one company already, and there's quite a lot of interest about it. Yeah. Early doors. It's a year away.
1: As Freddie Laker would say. You don't know who Freddie Laker is, do you? No. Freddie Laker? Book early. Never mind, I've been through that before. Look it up on the internet. Yeah, so Norfolk dinner. We've got a good venue, as we've mentioned previously, and St Andrews Hall right in the middle of the city. Get your hotels booked, get yourself down there. And we'll be looking for people to sponsor beer and all sorts of other opportunities. We'll be happier to share our sponsorship ideas with various people so they can get their name on the wall and feel famous like the Famous Four last time. But it will be Norfolk-based or any Norfolk-related businesses more than anyone else, if you don't mind. It is our dinner, and, you know, for all of our... Yogelness and Alan Partridge's, it's something we're very, very proud of. That will be a good one, and we're going to risk pandemics for it, aren't we? Yeah. Back to the Humber Ducey, yeah, nice drop. This one's been kept in the fridge. I don't know whether Alan would like that or not, but it's actually quite nice coming out of the fridge, isn't
2: it? Maybe controversial, but I don't mind a um, an ale coming out of the fridge. And it's supposed to be normally room temperature, isn't it, on a beer, but...
1: Yeah, it kind of makes it a little sharper or yeah. something, doesn't it?
2: Yeah, no, it's good beer. The other one, I can't remember what the other beer is called, but
1: this is my favourite of the two. Yeah. One of the things I will actually just say, we've had a really, really positive response to the last couple of podcasts with Bob King. It's great when people respond or react to what we're talking about, and yeah, it's been a good topic of conversation.
2: I enjoyed them. I thought they were really good, pretty informative, and maybe controversially, I might say, one of the, or maybe two of the better ones that we've had.
1: Oh, without a doubt. From an information perspective and the level of knowledge that obviously I showed and helped Bob along. The first one I did enjoy
2: when he was talking about understanding the quality of a crop that you've got in front of you and his approach and adjusting to the dynamic of the market and what he had, he was, he was very
1: realistic about it. Well, this is another one of the old codgers who's going to fall off the perch. Hopefully he'll be there for another, I don't know, how many years Bob wants to do. But, yeah, when you lose that level of knowledge, how do you replace I it? I
2: mean, we're talking about experiences <clears throat> in the trade. Bob has had X number of years. I can't remember how many he said. Was it 40 years he's in the trade? Been there and kind of seen it, and he realised that that's place when you've got someone that's been in the chair for two years that is buying on a contractual spec that is x is
1: they would certainly wouldn't have got to that place that bob is i always remember when i was a kid at dalgetty's paul dowson was the wheat trader he actually discovered that he couldn't be the barley trader because he had an actual allergic reaction to the sample did yeah, so I bet one or two of the buyers now who've never looked at a sample would actually, if they touched it, would suddenly come out in a rash like he did. <laughs> Gave me the opportunity to be the barley, you know, put together with the bag. So I was lucky in the sense that he had an allergic reaction. Mm. It's not a lot of fun sampling barley heap. So I was the bloke who mixed samples together to yeah, create yeah, bulks yeah. to present to people to pretend we had a great big load of tonnage of it to sell it. It's all uh, mm. the old school games, but physically, if you touch something and it makes you go spotty, it's no, not really the best thing for you to trade, is it? So, everybody, I think you can sense from us there is a, a kind of apathy or lack of understanding what happens next. We're relying on Vladimir Putin to go back to his Black Sea Palace and watch the pole dancers, as opposed to press the button and send people over the border. And, you know, with that in mind and the volatility that brings, the advice anyone's giving is luck, if they get it right. They're very good prices. We still of the opinion. I think it is a really good price for grain. You need to be selling it for old crop, new crop. Let's wait and see what the weather does. That's where we're going to finish our podcast this week. Is that fair? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you very much. Cheers. See you next week.
0: Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to get new episodes as they are released. And follow us on Twitter. We are at Dewing Grain. Call Dewing Grain on 01263 731 or email info at dewinggrain.co.uk. The Dewing Grain podcast is produced by East Coast Design Studio in Norwich.